if inflation's still out of control, then they're gonna have to continue to raise rates. Well, right. having tangible assets and having your money parked in tangible assets, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's a good hedge against inflation. Has always been historically. And so I don't mind buying right now. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and you can see we've got a little different setup today. This is our first episode of our new series called Whiskey Wednesdays. This is going to be kind of short, sweet, to-the-point episodes where we're going to talk about some trending topics. We're going to answer some Q&A questions. We're going to talk about some current projects that we're working on over here at Vodacy. And I'm always going to be joined with my main man, Dave Savolich, <laughs> and he's going to he runs all of our operations over here at Vodacy. And so these are just going to be some conversations of what's going on in our world in your world and answering some questions. And so we're going to have a little bit of fun. I've got my whiskey out. Dave's got his Coke Zero out. And so uh, we'll, we'll dive right in. And so we're going to start always with trending topics. And so one of the hot topics right now, Dave, is interest rates. They yeah. are absolutely through the roof, it feels like we've had um, rates go up almost. You know, they're that I what I saw is they're the highest they've been in over 20 years. We're both in acquisition mode right now, and we're feeling the pinch of that, right? And so that's something that's going on a lot in a lot of people's worlds. And so when it comes to rates, it affects a lot of different things. A lot of times we think it's just cash flow, but there's a lot of effects that it has on inventory. You know, we're seeing really, really low inventory right now, and yeah. it, it's a really frustrating part of the process. You and I, you know, we just missed out on it. 1031 exchange because we just weren't finding anything right. in the markets we were looking, right? You know, it, it's on everybody's mind what the interest rate is. Yeah. And obviously everybody wants to have the lowest interest rate they can. However, I, I think it really comes down to dial, dialing in the numbers and making sure you understand the market, you understand the potential, and then you can make a good decision whether it goes along with your goals and how much cash you have. And, you know, if you want to dive into uh, yeah. specific properties. And that's why I say too, uh, when you're buying an investment property, particularly, I'm buying an investment property right now, I'm buying a primary home right now. So I'm like feeling the pinch all over the place right now with interest rates. But when you're underwriting investment properties, it's just part, it's an expense, right? The interest you're paying is an expense, a line item when you're underwriting the deal. Does it make it tougher to cash flow on properties? Absolutely. Is it is it affecting what's going on in actually being able to have a profitable property for sure. But right. what I feel like is the bigger deal with interest rates right now, and I don't know how we're gonna solve the problem because there's a lot of inventory that would normally hit the market that's not coming back on the market right now because right. nobody wants to get rid of the houses right. that they have at 3% right. interest rates. Yeah, and nobody wants to, nobody's gonna sell their house where they're paying yeah. a low interest rate and then they know they gotta buy and get into a, a, a bigger interest rate. So well, let me ask you this. So someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm not sure if it's the right time. I'm a little concerned about the interest rates. They're kind of high. Should I buy a short-term rental or should I wait? What, what's what's your advice? What do you tell them? Yeah, I, well, I think that there's a couple things that are, are likely to happen in the market market right now with interest rates. One, the Fed thinks that we still have inflation and we're trying to curb off inflation. I mean, they just made an announcement that they, they're now not predicting a recession, whatever the hell that means, right? I mean, it seems like every time we turn around, something else is going on. So if that's the case, maybe they start they start leveling off rates or, or bring them down a little bit. If they don't, if, if inflation's still out of control, then they're going to have to continue to raise rates. Well, right. having tangible assets and having your money parked in tangible assets, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's a good yeah. hedge against inflation. Term, Has yeah. always been historically. And so I don't mind 
buying right now, right? right. I'm, I, I'm very, very aggressive right now for two reasons. One, if that happens, I wanna be buying and have my money in tangible assets that help me hedge against inflation. The second scenario, which I think is likely to happen and a lot of people are talking about happening is the rates actually come down. Mm -hmm. And when rates come down, there is a lot of shadow demand out there. And there's a lot of people that are sitting on the sideline that normally would be selling right. and moving. You know, you got a lot of move up buyers that are not doing anything. There's a this huge bottleneck of inventory. Inventory levels are super low. That's why you haven't seen house prices come down, right? right. Because right. Even though there's been this huge downward pressure on demand with interest rate hikes, there's still more demand than there is supply. And so that that gap between supply and demand is still so wide and because nobody's putting their houses on the market to sell. When rates start to flutter down and fluctuate down, all of a sudden you're gonna have all these buyers come out of the woodwork and try to buy again. And so now, in my opinion, all hell is gonna break right. loose. You're gonna have absolute mayhem again almost like we had during that COVID era when like you were, you were bidding against yeah, 40, yeah, 50 people. Yeah, cash and so, offers. Yeah, right now we, we yeah. just got back from Georgia and we talk about that a little bit, but we were, we're buying some other properties right now. It's nice because I'm not competing against 50 people like I was two years right, ago. Right. And when that's happening, all of a sudden prices skyrocket again, which I think is a problem. Yeah. Prices are at all time yeah. highs and they yeah. don't see them coming down. So the question is, do I wait or do I do I dive in, right? One, it has to underwrite. It's harder to underwrite. Right. The numbers got to make sense. There's fewer properties to choose from. Numbers have to make sense. But at least you're able to get into the game right. before rates. If rates do come down, you like I'm convinced prices are going to skyrocket. Well, and I think also if rates go down, refinance. You know what I mean? That's an yeah. option for people. Yeah. And I think they don't necessarily think of that all the time. In the past, you know, the last couple of years, people have been buying at a very high price. They've been paying, you know, cash offers. They've been paying above listing and they've been paying 10 to $15,000 more than the asking price. Well, or more the, than that. Yeah, exactly. Right? So now spend that 10 to 15,000 on refinancing and you're in a good situation or a good position at that yeah. point, you know. You marry the property, you date the rate, right? So it's you can you can refinance. Now, what I don't like and what I don't think is a great strategy, you still have to make sure that the property yeah, underwrites no question. At today's interest rates, yes. right? Yes. I Absolutely. think it's risky to buy investment yeah. properties when your your plan is I have to under I have to refinance right. and I have no. to get this at a lower yes. rate to make it no. work and I'm hoping that it's it's, in six months that's from like a bonus absolutely it's, make yeah. sure the numbers work and if you can refinance and you have the cash that's you know kind of an option down the road you and i talked about it just in the last couple of weeks it was it was interesting when we bought our first homes 15 20 years ago you know we bought it at like a 10 and 11 yeah. percent you know we were pretty happy because before that they were 12 and 13 and yeah. so so yeah. it's interesting that you know you look at that and you think hell seven percent isn't too bad but it seems like it's bad because the last few years it's been down in yeah. the threes and fours so it is relative and and when you have high prices coupled with high uh, with high interest rates those two things really yeah. make the the yeah. cost of ownership skyrocket right. Right? right and so you know the good news is in the game that we play in short-term rentals, it allows us to go into a lot of these nicer markets, nicer homes, because our income potential is a bit higher mm -hmm. than what you would find on long-term rentals and some other assets. And so it allows us to still cash flow yeah. at the rates and the prices that we have right now. We see it across the board, right? We're yeah. seeing it all the time. We'll, uh, you know, we'll really watch that close. I think it has a big effect on a lot of different things in the real estate market. You know, and I don't, I just, I, I just feel like that supply-demand gap is getting so wide, and you can't 
can't build yourself out of this problem, right? And and that's, it feels like that's the only inventory we start to see. There's so few homes that are hitting the market of, of trade up buyers or existing homes hitting the market versus just new new construction coming out. And yeah. y- y- I mean, I, I, a normal market in the US is somewhere around three and a half to four million homes on the market. Right now we're under a million homes or right at that million million home mark. So the market is way underserved right now. And there's a lot of buyers out there. You got a huge buying group. You got the millennials, which is like a buying group, almost like you remember how the baby boomers went yeah, through right. different markets yeah. and segments and how, yeah. I mean, entire economies were built with the baby boomers. Millennials are that same, that same size of a buying group. And a lot of them are like, hey, we wanna buy houses and we're priced out of the market. We're right. waiting, we're waiting, right. we're waiting. Right. I promise you when rates come it's down, gonna bust. Yeah. they're like, okay, the gates are open. I'm, <clears throat> yep. Now I can go do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to watch. So what's going on? Um, what's going on in our world right now? What do we got going on? We've got- uh, You and I are uh, in acquisition <laughs> mode. Yeah. We're, uh, we're actually looking for a property. We sold a property in Florida and uh, we have a little money that we made off that. So we're, we're in acquisition mode. We've been looking at properties in several different markets. So that's been fun. But but I, I mean, I think the advice that we would give to people that are listening is, you know, be patient, find the right property, right. do the numbers, make sure that the data looks correct. Look at various locations. Some locations may not work. Some location, you know, in, in every location, there's a great property in every location, there's a bad property. Yeah. So it's about finding that. And sometimes it can be a little daunting, but patience is a virtue and kind of make sure it's the right one, you know, make right. sure the numbers work patience out. Patience cost us a little bit of money recently <laughs> yeah. in, in taxes. Yeah, we were in a, we were in a 1031 and we couldn't quite uh, find the right property. So so we uh, we had to pay Uncle Sam a little bit more than we were hoping, but that's okay. We're we, we did well on that the sale of that property. So yeah, we did good. well, and uh, you know, and I keep uh, I know that the one that we're looking at partnering on is. Uh, you're convinced we're, we we need to be patient enough to find one out west here in the, <laughs> yeah. in the mountains out west. And my and my, my patience yeah. levels are yeah. dropping. I keep trying as to we say, go. hey, come out come out east with me <laughs> yeah. once in a while. I and, love I love yeah. the mountains out west, but man, it's uh, well. That's a good. That's a you know we get that question all the time. It's it's a good little segue, but we get the question all the time of what location, what location to buy in, where should I look, and. I think that comes down to a lot of what your goals are. You know, is it is it strictly passive income? Is it lifestyle asset? Do you want to use it as a vacation home? Or, you know, what does that look like for you? And that that depends on what location you're going to look at. I'm going to peel back, you know, on a little tangent from just what you said, because this comes up all the time too. People ask us, you know, you're buying these properties for the long term, you underwrite them for the long term. The property that we just sold actually wasn't. We planned on keeping that right. for a year or two. Right. We knew we were buying in a really profitable area um, and it was going to, we, we, Planned on some appreciation yeah. there, which we got. It was a new build. We walked into equity, but that was like a stepping stone property, right? Mm-hmm. And to your mm-hmm. point, it was a stepping stone to a lifestyle asset right. into a market that we knew yeah. didn't cash flow really well because acquisition prices were so high mm-hmm. out here out west where we live in the mountains in Utah. And we're looking for a mountain property, you know, in you know, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, right. Utah, the Intermountain West. We planned that out, right? We said, hey, listen, we're going to go buy this property in Florida. It was a new build. We knew we were walking into equity, but the plan was to take that chunk of money and put it into the property right. that we really wanted yeah. as a lifestyle asset. Right. And so then all of a sudden that light we by putting more down, we make it to where we, we can right. break even and make a little bit of money on yeah. this asset. Right. Yeah. And so strategically, 
There's a lot of moves. People always do say, hey, I'm gonna chase the best market. There are good properties and bad properties in every single market. But what's really critical is to really understand what you want right. out of the market you invest yeah. in. Is yeah. this a what property you're are. going to use? Mm -hmm. Is this strictly an investment? Is this going to be a step up type of a property to where it's kind of a, a means to an end, right. right? We buy properties all the time that are a means to an end, yeah. you know, or yeah. something that's gonna supplement a really great lifestyle asset. And so you have to really think of what those property goals are because that's gonna be your guiding light, the North Star, of how you're going to make the decisions because we're building portfolios. I just went out with the family out to Blue Ridge, Georgia. We have a nice property yeah. out there. We're going to buy another one out there. You're not buying a property out there, yeah. right? You're not, you don't have much interest out there. But for us, our prop, even though we're following that same blueprint and process plan, right. our portfolios can look totally different yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Everybody wants to know where are you investing and you know where are the, what are the best markets? Well, the best markets for me might not be the best markets for you. And it's yeah. really critical to understand that, what that looks rather like. than just chasing markets. And some of the most popular blog posts in our world, some of the most popular reports that are out there are the 10 best markets to invest in, the 100 best short-term rental markets across the US. And I would say based on what? Based on what criteria? Somebody else's criteria right. or your right. criteria? Totally, yeah, totally different. And, and yeah, totally yeah. different. And so I think that that's really important yeah. to, to consider because everybody's criteria is so different yeah. based on your goals, the money you have available, right. all yep. those different things. Yep. So you, you talked about your trip to Georgia. You just got back, took the family out. You also, yep. uh, you had a little meetup with some of the members, some yeah. of the Odyssey members. How was that? Was that, that, was, that, awesome. that was fun. Yeah. yeah. What do you have about 20, 15 yeah, had, to 20? Yeah, yeah, we had 20, 20 of our members in Blue Ridge, Georgia, of all places, right? Some of them drove, drove up from Atlanta. A couple um, hours, right? A couple Even hours a couple, from Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. So and that's so cool. it was awesome. Yeah. And so we're going to start doing that. So anybody that's out there, you know, kind of listening and stuff, we're posting meetups and we're going to be out on the road a lot right now because yeah. we're in we're in heavy acquisition mode looking at a lot of different markets and that was really fun it was fun yeah. to see a lot of a lot of our members hear what they're doing building wise and then you know these properties that we're investing in right now you know um, kind of the story those of you that are listening Mike we're taking our kids out and I've got 12 year old twins and about a year ago we decided we were going to help them and partner with them on a property mm -hmm. and so this is a property for them to start building right. their portfolio yeah, that's fun and mm -hmm. uh, you know part of the deal was that they had to come up with half of the down payment originally we said 10% and then I said okay you're not you're, you don't have enough skin in the game so that's gonna make you put <laughs> yeah. up yeah, a little bit more but pressure. But it can't come from us. And so it took them about a year and a half to get enough money right. to be able to put, you know, down payment on their their max property price is about five hundred thousand. So they had they can't they both have they together about twenty five thousand dollars that say they saved up. And then we're gonna partner with them. And so it was really fun. And we'll post some of these on our if you're yeah. listening to our social platforms and things like that, we're gonna post kind of the journey of them walking through properties, what they like, what they don't like. Evaluating it. Evaluating they went in they dove into the they dove into the, the underwriting process yeah. and, and so they bring me their spreadsheets and we look right. at it and, and make sure but we really Teresa and I really wanted this to be a process that they went through not properties that we right. picked out we're right. kind of looking over their shoulder making sure the T's are crossed the I's are dotted obviously yeah. right we, this is what we do this is their portfolio starting yeah. to build and yeah. so it's it's really fun listening to them talk about how they're going to design it what experience they're yeah. going to create and well they, they live it day to day yeah. with you coming home and talking about your adventures and your your things that you've done all day long and so they they learn yeah. just from discussions at the family table and you guys are like hey let's get you guys involved let's get your own and and, and by the way i think it's great one because it's a, f a family, you know, you share this experience together, but also you always hear about starting your portfolio when you're young. Yeah. And imagine if you owned properties 
20 years ago or 15 years ago or five years ago. So I think that's a great option for them to be able to start and, and start building their yeah. portfolio. I mean, obviously you're helping them, but this is great. The, the conversation started about a year and a half ago is White wanted to buy a the Mercedes camper van, right? Yeah. And yeah. he's like, "Hey, let's let this would be really fun." And, and this and that and the other. We're he's right. he made this big sales presentation. I told you mm-hmm. about this, right? Remember that yeah. he did. He, yeah. he said, "Sit down on the couch, Dad." And I'm like, "Dang, I wish I would have recorded it because one hell of a sales presentation." <laughs> I should have sent it into Mercedes, and they could, he could have sold vans right. for him. But he all the pros of having a van and what it would mean to memories and all this and that and the other. I said, "Okay, good presentation." How's it? How's this thing going to get paid for, right? And right. I said, and so he said, well, you guys could buy it, right? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Okay, these Hello. these bands are a couple hundred grand, right? right. I'm like, right. No, okay, so that's a good concept to, to right. think. Okay, you right. just and so we started having these conversations. Okay, if you had the money, what would you really buy? Right. And would you buy a van or would you buy? A home. We started having this conversation with him a little while ago, and then Father's Day this year, my my, I felt bad for my father-in-law. He's buying a Toyota 4Runner, a new 4Runner, upgrading his vehicle, and my I got my kids have him pinned in the corner, giving him a lesson on appreciating assets versus depreciating assets. <laughs> yeah, so what he he's was buying like, is not. Yeah, he's really like, gonna so, put money so in his they, they were like, re, they were like, yeah, I felt like kind of apologized um, <laughs> afterwards. I'm like, okay, that's sorry, awesome. you're, you're actually allowed to buy that is depreciating awesome. assets. Oh, that's so, funny. Should we wrap it up, you know, that start lo- rolling into the uh, Q&A? And yeah, yeah. We, a uh, so I know you've got a couple. I, yeah, we got some questions um, from some folks and, and obviously we, we want to answer some questions. Yeah. And so this one was from Jennifer. Uh, Any advice for investing in a seasonal market? We live in New Jersey and are considering mm-hmm. properties at the Jersey Shore. You know, what 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 advice? You know, yeah, so you give Jennifer, what, what I would say to that is some of my most profitable properties came from seasonal markets. You know, we always say that a lot of people assume you have to have a market that is year round accessible. And, and it's that's not the case because typically the more seasonal a market is, which means in a market that might be, you know, you have one specific peak season right. and then it falls off after that. Right. So the more seasonal right. a market is, the higher the nightly rate is during the peak season. Right. right. So relative to the, to the, you know, the price you paid for the property. Yeah. In a less seasonal market, the lower that price is average across the board. Right. And so, you know, I'll give you an example of property we had in up by Yellowstone National Park. I've used yeah. that example a few times um, when I, but that was really seasonal. It right. was actually only open from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Right. The snow, the roads yeah. were closed. They just didn't, yeah, you didn't, just, you just yeah, didn't it's a lake. It's a lake yeah. property in the mountains at 8,000 square feet. So, right. I mean, the snow is barely melting by yeah. Labor Day or Memorial right. Day and it starts falling by Labor yeah. Day. However, during that 90 to 100 day period in the summertime, we got a really high nightly rate. Yeah. We had other properties like in Florida, Orlando area, in some of those markets that are not as seasonal, right. pretty close to the same acquisition yeah. price. And that average nightly rate throughout the year, even though we had a much higher occupancy throughout the year, that nightly rate was about a third of what we got right. during that right. peak season yeah. on the Yellowstone property. Yeah. So both of the properties generated close to the same income, but the one property only had wear and tear for 90 days. Yeah. My other property had wear and tear for 300 right. days. And I think that's good. But I think people forget about yeah. that. They don't consider that those some of those seasonal properties, they don't they have a lot less wear and tear and yep. things last longer, things are better taken care of and so forth. So that's a big deal when yeah. people and decide it, and to And it buy. allowed us to use it more. We loved right. using that property in the wintertime and the yeah. fall yeah. and we didn't even open it for rentals. Right. And so I like seasonal properties because one, I can use them more as a lifestyle asset without affecting my yeah. rental income. Yeah. And then also much less wear and tear on a property. So absolutely don't discount seasonal properties yeah. because 
relatively speaking, a lot of times your gross revenue for the year can be very similar to those seasonal markets because yeah. your nightly rate is so much higher during the peak season. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks. Yeah, that's. I think that's great. So the second one here is from Garrett. I'm hearing that more of the larger cities are trying to limit the number of homes that can be used as Airbnbs. Does this pose a problem for Airbnbs in the future? So this gets kind of gets into the zoning and yeah. and the you know those type of things. So yeah, the one one who was that Garrett? Garrett. Yeah. So yeah, Garrett. On that one, it's absolutely will affect, especially in major metropolitan areas, and and that's what we're seeing. The last year year and a half has been kind of a year of sweeping regulations for the short-term rental industry at large. And because now short-term rentals are considered a mainstream asset, right. you know, just like, you know, long-term rentals, commercial rentals, multifamily properties, everything has its own specific zoning and licensing requirements and short-term rentals now do as do well. The same, yeah. And so most municipalities are addressing the issue. When it comes to short-term rentals in the major urban and major metropolitan areas, there's a housing shortage and right. there's a shortage of affordable housing. And so these, these municipalities are really worried about all of the rentals now saying, well, I can make more as a short-term right. rental. And so I'm gonna turn it into a short-term rental. And that exacerbates the problem with the, the housing shortage and affordable housing. They don't want all the rentals coming off the market for long-term tenants in, the, right. in those right. areas. And so you are going to, I believe, in the future and now and in the future have an issue in a lot of the major urban areas yeah. and major metropolitan areas. When it comes to the destination markets, they are still putting rules and regulations in place, but they're not going and saying, okay, we're not going to allow this because they rely right. on the hot, they rely they, on yeah, people coming in and visitors tourist, and everything else. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they, they It's great for the that. local economies. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do think you have to pay attention where you're, when you start to invest in this asset class, where it's going to be likely that you can do it and where it's not going to be likely, you know, yeah. and that's where you're starting to see really like the, the rise in midterm rentals in a lot of those urban markets, those 30 to 90 day rentals for corporate travelers. You know, it, it became really popular for medical professionals, traveling nurses, yeah, yeah. but now it's become midterm rentals are something that a lot of the short-term rental investors are looking at in the major metropolitan areas. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. I, it's something to definitely watch. We never buy in areas that don't have the, you know, a short-term rental. Yes, you can do this and we can get right. the blessing to get right. licensing and permits for that reason. If we're yeah. buying these properties for the long term, we don't want to run the risk of having those things change on us. And a lot of your areas and guys, I promise you don't look at Airbnb to decide if you can, if right. you can operate yeah. a short-term rental. Yeah. There's a lot of areas you can't operate short-term rentals and you'll see a lot of them on, on Airbnb, Airbnb still. and VRBO and, and they could get yeah. shut down tomorrow. Yeah. They could last months or years, yeah. but they're yeah. they're not allowed to do it. We don't invest in those areas. Well, we we had a we talked about this yesterday, and uh, a little frustrating for us. But we had one of our members contact us and say they were down, you know, at, at hour eleven on their property. They were they had already made an offer. They'd already done all the due diligence. They'd already gone down this path, and then to come find out it wasn't zoned for short term rentals, and we told them, gave them advice. Listen, the first thing you do, step one yeah. is understanding the market. Make sure that it's zoned correctly and that the, you know, the regulations allow you to run a short-term rental in that area. And use your real estate agent, go to the current HOA if they have one, the city, the county, but that really is the first thing. Anytime we yeah. look at you know, acquiring a property, first question we ask is, is it zoned for short-term rentals? And can we run this? It's an asset. So we're buying an asset. If that asset can't make us money because they won't allow that, 
that's a big deal. Absolutely. So, and it's the first step yeah, of the absolutely. process, right? It's before you even get into underwriting right. the numbers on yep. any deal. And so that, yeah, to your point, to hear somebody that says, man, I, I found the perfect property. I spent a ton of time figuring out yeah. the numbers in the market and on this property. And then I get to the 11th hour before closing and I find out I can't do a short-term rental. Right. He's upset about the, he's he's upset about the municipality. Yeah. It's like, dude, right. be upset with yourself. Look in the mirror and say, right. hey, listen, I, I waited should have done. I waited to the 11th hour to do step number one. Yeah. And and absolutely, that's the first step in any any sort of acquisition if, if you're gonna be buying these properties is can I actually do operate yeah this asset the way that I plan on with a short-term rental. Yeah. Um, last question. And hey. and we get this quite a bit. Um, this is from Steve. And he says, I own a successful business full-time with a wife and kids. How can I balance everything without neglecting all my responsibilities as been a business owner, husband, and father? So busy guy, runs a business, you know, and now he's like, you know, how do I juggle these things? Yeah, I think it comes down to priorities, right? You know, and, and that's what I would say, Steve. Every, I promise you, everybody's busy. There's nobody that's listening, right. nobody that's ever sitting there thinking, man, I, I've got all this extra time. You know, maybe somebody that just recently retired and they're like, I don't know what to do. But most of us are super busy. So you have to make priorities, right? It's, it's right. a matter of saying, you know, I love the saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person, right? Typically, the busier you are, the better you are at actually right. navigating and adding more things to your plate. And so I think you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what's a priority? Now that doesn't mean that everything is always balanced, right. right? And that's where, you know, I'd love to everything to be balanced. I'd love, you know, a perfect balance between my business, you know, my my family, my fitness, my faith, all those different things that are important to us. I wish there was a perfect balance across the right, board. Right. The reality is for me, it's not, right? Yeah. Depending on where on things I'm working on, I'm going to be heavily weighted on something. Right. And, and Steve, if you're diving into a new game and saying, okay, I want, this is important for me to build this portfolio. The real life answer is it's not going to be real balanced in the beginning. It's right. going to be front loaded on time and money and effort because you've got to figure out the game. You got to learn the process. You got to figure out how to bridge the gap of where you're at, where you want to go. And sometimes other things have to have to you know are going to frankly suffer from that right yeah, and yeah. and we don't want them to but the reality is they do and the the key in my opinion is to make sure that you recognize those areas of your life that are getting affected right, and that are right. suffering and say okay I've got to I got to fix that too right, that right. Now, that now is a priority as well yeah, understanding <laughs> those are challenging times and understanding that hey maybe this this part is lacking but Maybe it's for a short period of time while I'm doing something else that's maybe more a priority. Yeah. And then I, I know I got to get back to whether that's kids, family, travel, whatever that is. So right. I, I think that's good. You have to dedicate a certain amount of time to every one of those things that you feel like is a priority, right? Yeah. I'm not here to tell you my priorities or your priorities, right? Yeah. We're going to all do things different. Right. But when you're really trying to build something, you, you, I mean, you can't take your foot off the gas and, you know, it's like you're, it's like you get good at spinning a whole bunch of plates in the air at the same time. Yeah. And, and yeah. you have to figure it out. Like, what do you think about that? I mean, you're the same. I mean, you're, you're yeah. super involved with the kids stuff. You've yeah. got busy lives at home and, and building portfolios, running this company yeah. with me. I mean, it's, I, it's yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think nobody's immune to a work-life balance and nobody's immune to the challenges of trying to, you know, one, financially take care of your family, but also the priorities of really 
being able to dive in and support them with, you know, my kids, they're, they're super busy in sports and, and athletics. And so making sure I get to the games and supporting them and, and making sure that, you know, we're supporting them at home with, with schoolwork and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think having conversations with them and, and maybe in, in, you know, having a, a weekly schedule or a monthly schedule and saying, hey, these things are a priority, but you also know, you know what, we're having a webinar that's going to go till eight or nine o'clock tonight and I yep. won't be home tonight. So exactly. everybody, you know, if we communicate and we plan accordingly, I think you, you, but, but also when the weekends come, we're going to spend family time and we're going to do this on Saturday and Sunday and, you know, maybe take a trip or you know, do these things. So there's never going to be perfect balance, right? Create some non-negotiables. I have non, non-negotiables in right. my life that I do right. every single day. Yep. You know, one yep. of those is, is my lunch, but yep. it's, you guys, you guys, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of an inside joke. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. We're, it's, it's, Sean is a creature of habit and uh, has the same thing every single day for lunch. Maybe on another episode, we'll tell you where he goes and we'll tell you what he has. Yeah, well, that'll but, be the cliffhanger. Um, but for, just so you know, we, 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 it is a... It's a miracle to get Sean to eat at a different place in a different food. But, you know, that's creature habit, right? That's yeah. fine. Well, I do the same thing. Like I, every morning I wake up, I have coffee with Teresa. Yeah. You know, every lunch I have the same lunch. Every night we pray together as a family. If yeah. we're out of town, we literally have a phone call. Phone You've call. heard me yeah. like when we're on yeah, the yeah. road, you're like, it's crazy. We don't miss certain things yeah. ever. And so kind of going back to the point of how do you manage it all, you figure out what's important and you make it important, yeah. right? You, yeah. you, you make it a priority Absolutely. and you figure it out. And yep. so I, uh, we do get that question a lot, Steve, and, and I, it's, uh, it's something that we all wonder is how, how am I going to layer something else on? How am I going to do this? And it's what Teresa told me a long time ago. I used to be the guy that said, I'm too busy. Right. I can't do anything else. I'm too busy. Yeah. And she said, that's a bunch of bullshit. You're not too busy. It's not a priority. And ever since she literally looked at me and I said that to me, I was like, okay, I'm not. She, and she told me, she said, I don't want you to ever tell me you're too busy for anything again. Be honest about it and say, right now it's not a priority. By the way, I love that. And I've heard that a few times and I've actually used that, but it's got me in trouble a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she, you it's know, Kelly, Kelly like, well, is like, no, no, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm just not using it at the right time, but I say, no, no, listen, honey, it's not because you're too busy. It's because it's not priority sometimes and you got trouble and it, yeah it hey, doesn't sorry, go over well. hey sorry hey I, well see i that, that came from my wife so i was like, exactly i just was if like it okay came from you deal yeah it might be different but i do like that that's important but i'm glad you know, you know we have these questions i i think it's important we'd love to keep answering these questions on every episode it just gives you some real life questions that people are asking and the people are concerned about whether it's life or you know their business or getting into the short-term rental you know vacation uh, opportunity. So awesome, guys. Well, listen, we will wrap up for today. This has been a fun new episode, and we'll continue to keep coming at you with our Whiskey Wednesday episodes every single week. If you got any value out of these shows, we always ask you to do a couple things for us. If you have more than 30 seconds, leave us a review and give us a thumbs up and uh, give us a the, you know the rating. And then also, if you got value and you think somebody else would get value, the same value, share it with them. Give, send it over to it, share the episodes with them. And then those of you that are starting to listen and you want some of your questions answered, if you're on any of the social platforms, you can post it in the comments. We'll make sure we, we monitor all those. We'll make sure that we get it on and answer your question on an, uh, an upcoming episode. And then also, if you're listening on your favorite podcast and you're driving around and you don't have somewhere to comment on your podcast, then also you can send an email to us at support at odyssey.com and we'll get to it. So guys, appreciate you joining us. We know how valuable your time is and we appreciate you spending it with us. And you guys know I always leave you with one challenge at the end of every episode, and that is to go pick one thing you can do today to start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends.